Today we are talking to Barbarian Artistic Director Joe Randerson and Dramaturge Thomas LaHood about their most ambitious project yet, Grand Opening, where dozens of artists and community collaborators are joining the company to fill the Opera House for the inaugural Cuba Dupa this weekend. Welcome to B-Side Stories on Access Radio, Joe and Thomas. It's great to be here. Yeah, (laughs) we are officially sitting in the rubbish room because it has the best acoustics. Here, here. That's amazing. You don't want to be in the rehearsal space. Everything bounces. Now, you have been given the keys to Welly's historical theatre, the Opera House. What are you planning on doing with this opportunity? Well, it's such an incredible, beautiful big old space and as soon as we were allowed into it, all these different ideas bounce off around. So we have been um, scrambling to make them happen. Some of them are happening, some of them we won't know if they will happen till the weekend. Um, it really uh, it really is still a bit unknown for us at this point. Um, we do know that on Saturday and Sunday we will be able to bring people into these experiences um, in the Opera House. Um, and, you know, we're, we're stoked. It's a building that's yeah. 101 years old it opened almost exactly 101 years wow, ago. Wow, that's amazing. At, at Easter, yeah, yeah. In, in, in 1914. And so much has happened there. We've uh, had a lovely interview with Wilf Conroy, who spent a lot of time painting the sets. And, you know, there's incredible, right. beautiful backdrops. Yes. So there's a whole area, you know, above the stage that... Um, they would lift those backdrops in and then a whole team would sit there painting and then lower them down when they needed to be. So anyway, he was a magical guy to talk to and told us how they used to flood the stage sometimes and do ice shows. Oh my goodness. And just the sort of feeling you get about what happened in there and how many Mm. people in there and you feel it when you walk through the dressing rooms as well that um, it's such a big grand piece of architecture and feels like it should have people in it. So I think that was part of our impetus was like, well, let's let's get in there and let's try to get in there in a kind of a different way, you know. So, um, yeah, we've invited lots of different collaborators and performing artists and artists from around Wellington to come in with us. They've had ideas of their own, which we've rolled with. Um, Because I think for us at Barbarian, you know, there's a real emphasis on bringing out the voice of the individual or the group. And it's like, well, what is it that you want to say? You know, so I think there's an interesting parallel around documentary making Mm. where people starting to go with documentaries as well like well I'm always imposing my narrative on you but what if I invite you to create your own narrative and I try to facilitate that and kind of increasingly for us that's where our work is heading. Yeah nice work Joe. that's that's quite a unique approach. This project in itself uh, you know is quite different to even anything we've tried to do before Um, process wise you know we're coming to this is the first day of rehearsals and we're only one week away from opening day (laughs) so you know there's been lots of logistics and lots of kind of trying to figure out what how exactly this is going to physically work in the space and lots of investigation and lots of planning and lots of thinking but in terms of um, building the show as it were it's really um, different to anything we've ever done way more people and way less time and way more 
kind of leaving things open to chance and leaving things open to yeah it's much more of an event isn't it you know like it it it, it's kind of like a show but actually the way that it's put together we've been working you know the last three months but then especially the last six weeks um logistically to make it any of the cast as tom's just saying just joined us now so first day rehearsals it's going well but we're on a fast fast hard trajectory up towards saturday you know it's a big push well thank you for having me in here joe in your mind what will success look like for grand opening? I think that a lot of um, people from Wellington have been able to come into this incredible right. building and to see it from a different angle that will feel like success for us that just literally it has become more open for people um, that they can have an experience in it that is um, counter to what they would usually have right. you know Does that, that mean we're not sitting in seats I'm, we're, we're still we're still trying to figure that out at the, at the moment um and we're trying to work obviously very much without the with the with the structures and the needs of that building you know yeah. like it needs a lot of protection and mm. conservation and safety you know we need to look after it um but at the same time for us we're interested in yeah like finding opposite ways in so we definitely be doing something quite different within that space so i think people can expect to to come in to have an experience in the space right. that will be of around um, let's say half an hour um, sort of duration. So we're not we're not having like a big start and stop time. We have sort of blocks of times, right. and every fifteen minutes there's a new time for the audience to be able to come into that. So we're kind of I'm putting me in the audience's shoes. We're going to be part of it with that. Increasingly with our work, and definitely with this particular show. We're looking at um, finding ways to get the audience to really participate in the art and in a way that doesn't make them feel, oh no, gosh, I hope they don't grab me and drag me up up on stage. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we definitely don't want to create that tension and the whole work is designed to hold people in a way that makes them not feel awkward about it. But yes, it is participatory and they will be in some way a part of the show but in I guess yeah in the way like when we did White Elephant at Hannah Playhouse at the end of last year you know for example the audience sit on three sides and then there's a time at which we all throw lamingtons at each other and the audience joins in on that so I mean that's what we mean about kind of like (laughs) supported participation not that as Thomas says you know ha ha you're on stage now you have to do not like the spotlights on you you're going to look like an egg and you know that's not what we're interested in but I think we're also really interested in changing up the experience from just a passive experience you know I pay my money I come in I sit down I'm in the dark the amazing professionals do an incredible thing and I applaud them and I go home you know it's not that it's like here we all are in a room together and the performers are leading us into something and that we have choices about how you know how much we go yeah. along with that so it's really trying to yeah remove that just passivity of the of the spectator nice i like that how many people are you expecting to be contributing to grand opening i'd say between 60 and 100 wow. and and I wish I had a better figure to give you right now but that just quick doing quick total up in my head between 60 and 100 yeah outstanding <laughs> so now grand opening is part of Cuba Dupa why do you think having this festival back on the calendar is good for Wellington well I think there's a lot of ways you can look at that I mean certainly um, it's been a long time since the creative 
capital moniker was put mm. on Wellington City and it's been one that we've now seem to find ourselves kind of actively in competition with quite a lot of cities. I think a lot of cities around New Zealand are recognising the value of mm. um, having an, a, a vibrant cultural artistic practice going on in their city but Wellington does have a long heritage of that and I think um, with the loss of the Cuba Street Carnival years ago, I think people really, particularly in the arts industry, really felt that loss, um, just as a kind of an outpouring and an expression. And then everything seemed to kind of transfer over to the sevens, and now we see the sort of the waning of the sevens. It feels like, well, we need something that brings the streets alive mm -hmm. in the same way, and it has to be something street level, and it has to be something... Um, where people just kind of mill into the centre of town and sort of take it over on a really pedestrian level. Um, so that's what I think is really important about it. I mean, you have all your little local fair-type um, celebrations, and you know, like the Newtown Festival, which is huge. Yes, so that, that's not little anymore. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's out of control, large, but it still is a... It really is a community yeah, fair rather yeah. than a, a performance event or yes. a kind of a, an artistic expression. So in your mind, would that be the key difference between Cuba Duper and something like the Newtown Festival? I think so. I think it is much more um, clearly articulated as a cultural yes. practice rather than as a community um, come together. Nice. Mm. Just on that, if you were going to give the, the arts and theatre community in Wellington a bit of a health check, how healthy would you say we are at the moment? I think that we have some real pockets of positive strength and new progressive thinking and practice and uh, I would say there's a, a, a real burst of that kind of new energy um, and I think there are I think that the industry is quite um, diverse at the moment it's quite mm. split and there's definitely like sometimes I go into arts hui and people are all bound up on one conversation that I just think oh I'm just not even interested in any aspect of that conversation you know like how do we get um, more people into our theatres like how do we get better publicity yeah. and it's all about we need better poster designs yeah. and you know I'm like you know yeah. we just actually need to be re doing really different shows and yeah. we need to be doing shows in different places we need to be thinking of ourselves as theatre practitioners who are able to move around the city and outside of the city and into all sorts of different environments and I mean that's the movement that um, that we feel part of and we get excited by and it connects up with these new ways of doing festivals which is involving communities right. in them and you see I mean groups like old hall gigs who are doing these gigs around towns uh, using the different halls that are in existence. There's a feeling that the boundaries are the really exciting and, and, and where it is in rude good health the arts industry is where it's meeting other areas and fields so you see a whole lot of really interesting things happening around social enterprise and yes, you yes. know organizations that are maybe they're not arts practice at all but where those groups can partner with the arts you start getting really fascinating projects starting to emerge or at least align yes, in terms yes, of values yes. and I think that's where the really flourishing stuff is happening Definitely, as well outside the idea of, of, a, of a sort of a market of shows that you can just go along to and buy your tickets it's much more about 
things that are ongoing in relationship with mm. communities or with organisations. Economics and mental health are a really important part of that conversation too because um, in the theatre industry we've had a few really significant deaths and a few significant people who've taken their own lives over the last year and that's really you know left a <laughs> palpable wound and it was talked about recently at PANS up in Auckland right. the um, arts conference there and so I think people are starting to question some of the systems that we have and I think really um, well one one in particular one death I think is is there is this thing of um, I'm an actor and I've trained and I'm not getting work and I think there are these statistics that people in the uh, theatre profession have a higher rate of mental illness and I think maybe people who are more inclined this way might head into the industry but then I think there are stresses in the industry that actually causing, that's yeah. right so and a lot of it is around when I think you you look around and other people seem to be in work and you don't have a job and we're very isolated as artists right. this, these are the sort of conversations that are quite big at the moment how can we come together like one beautiful arts graduate she's like where's my work you know everyone else goes to work in the morning and I don't have a work like I've just spent $10,000 training on my degree and I don't have a, a work to go to and it's like well great if you get cast in a show that has a season and suddenly everything is good for you and you have a place and you have a community and you're paid and then you don't and then you know that's just that individual on their own in their lounge room mm. and usually quite a impoverished kind of living situation and that's where things can really go wrong for people so I think for us like also how can the work that we're doing um, look after our yes. health and how can it also, how can we make smart economic and financial decisions that can mean that we can have a sustainable life that we can be in control of and not sort of waiting to get cast? Beautifully said, Joe. That's amazing to have that overarching vision because I think that we're moving possibly from the space of it's all about me and how do I get there to actually it's no good if one of us one of us gets there. We actually need to include. That gives me great joy hearing you say that. Thank you. The Barbarians have had quite an amazing collaboration run last year. For you, ultimately, what does it mean to be a barbarian? I actually had a m big revelation about that this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> yay! <laughs> because sometimes um, people have said that's quite an oppositional stance to take of the barbarian, you know, and often that word is used as a really uncivilised yeah. and um, savage and countercultural, and um, and a lot of those words I really identify with those words. But I was also thinking today. Um, because sometimes people have said, oh, maybe it should be a bit more positive and inclusive, your title. But then when I think about um, the capitalist structure and I think how counter that feels to my values. Yeah. Um, and I was talking with someone yesterday about, like for us, like a suit and a corporate look is a costume for us. You know, we put that on and that's so when we take dress up jam around and give costumes to people, one thing we have is a suit and a tie. <laughs> and it's great watching people yeah. put that on and have a go at what they think that role right. is. So I often, like Thomas today. Yeah, he's got a tie. <laughs> Partially. But you know, it's presented as a normal, mm. you know, and actually it's not a normal for a lot of people. Mm. And and so when I, that was my thing, so I was like, yeah, that's great. Well, if, that's, if that is what is the, the dominant paradigm that society puts itself in, then I'm really happy to be something that is in opposition to that. But I don't feel, you know, I feel there's a lot of people in, in opposition, and I don't even think of it as being in opposition. I'm like, we're in a positive camp that's, that's different to that value set, and I want to really clearly 
you just hold that ground really confidently. But I do like the slightly rebellious angle as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think humans, we all relate to that. Yeah. You know, like most of the heroes, in the, even in the big Hollywood blockbusters, are the underdog and the dude who came from underneath and wasn't... You know, I think that's a real classic heroic position. So we actually all relate to that rebelliousness. Absolutely. I think the choice of that name as well helps to serve as a reminder for us mm. if we ever get mm. let in through the city wall yes. <laughs> to not forget our roots mm. and to always be barbarian and always be um, fighting for those values no matter how much success we do achieve or how much we do get sort of accepted you know and I it, people don't talk about the mainstream so much anymore which I think is really good um, but I think the, in the early days of Barbarian you know a decade ago right. we always really felt ourselves outside the mainstream and as a, a as a fringe dweller and as a sort of a wasteland dweller and that doesn't feel true anymore we, we're just a voice among a diversity of voices which I think is really palpable and powerful and, and we have much clearer values that we associate with ourselves but there's still that sense that you can see where strong voices sometimes get co-opted by more powerful, right, yes. you know, um, organisations and more powerful entities. And we'll never be that. I think that's what barbarian means to me: is that we'll always be one foot out in the world with the rest of the world. Long may that live. Your partners in life and your working together in business, that must be very challenging for you, but also living your life through it. What, what, are, the, what are the happy times for you together? Uh, when we're both in costume and yep. sort of embarking on some crazy adventure theatrically that we don't know exactly how it's going to come out and that sort of like wink to each other and like grin like here we go guys well, quite often a moment when it's sort of like nearing midnight and we've both been um at our computers doing administrative tasks we'd rather not and it's feeling a bit grim and then suddenly um one or other of us will just inhabit a strange crazy character that breaks the whole uh, tension and suddenly we're just both cacking ourselves, laughing, you know. Those are the golden moments. Congratulations, guys. I'm there with you. A big part of what the grand opening um, is about, or the purpose of it, is to really mix the worlds of what people would think of as amateur or professional and so that you can't tell what, which is one and which is the other because I think increasingly we're moving away from the idea that there are some specialists who really know how to do theatre darling and yes we have to get away from that we're yeah. all we're all creative um, but it takes it takes some leadership and it takes some working together to to really get involved in that kind of creative experience, shared experience. And openness, really. Yeah, Open and openness and vulnerability. Yep. And um, yeah, that's what we're really trying to create with this kind of work. Nice. So if people can bring something with them down to grand opening this weekend at Cupid Duper, would you like them to wear something or have a state of mind or...? No, absolutely not. I think with this show it's really important that people come as themselves with a, um, with, a, with a sort of healthy curiosity. We want people to come in as well with the Cubidupa spirit, but they've come from a party outside and they're going back to the party outside and they're going to have a little side party in the, in the opera house. <laughs> 
Love it. Okay, we'll be down there. Thomas and Joe, thank you so much for giving us your time today, and we'll look forward to grand opening. Yoo-hoo.